You must leave. You'll draw too much attention. But I have nowhere to go. They're hunting me. You have to help me. You want my help? Take this. Walk into the middle of the desert and bury it in the ground. Stay hidden. Live a normal life. What about the people that need us? What about the fight? The fight is done. We lost. What happened to you? You were once a great Jedi. The time of the Jedi is over. Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 155th Sashimi Slicing episode. I guess slicing's a better word, right? Sashimi Slicing episode of Mandavision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, yet awesome Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram, where we are spoiler-free, unlike the majority of Twitter right now. My God. It's a it's a real mess. It's a real mess. <laughs> you can email the show as well, mandivisiontom at gmail.com. Please be sure you are liking, subscribing, following, and sharing this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? We are here. It is finally upon us. The first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi have dropped, and we are here to bask in the glory of the great Jedi Knight himself. And, and, and we're going to talk all about episode one in this episode, in, in this show, and then there'll be a second episode of my show to talk about that show. We're going to break it down one by one. I didn't want to go into too much. I just want to kind of, again, break it down. I don't know how people are watching, so as opposed to trying to like talk about all of it, you know, I want to give you the option. If you only had time to get the first episode watched before you had to go to work or, or something in your life came up, you can listen to that review right now. You don't have to worry about anything I'm going to say. I will be strictly focused on the first episode, and then we will have a second episode for episode two, solo. And that's kind of how I wanted to proceed, just because, again, they're coming out at a time. People have jobs. People are at work. A lot of people are at the at, at Star Wars Celebration. And, you know, the, I, I suppose if you're at Star Wars Celebration, you were definitely watching the show. <laughs> so at the very, very least, though, you may be occupied and you can't listen to this show. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Oh man, and you know, there's been there was so much information 
dropped in in the first day of Star Wars Celebration. You know, I, I think we're definitely gonna have to do a big recap show and, and talk about all the different Star Wars news that came out uh, because there there just was so much good stuff coming out. The 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 announcements, the trailers, the teasers, all of it was just so so awesome. And and again, without going too deeply into it, because again, we will probably be providing another episode down the road to recap and, and get into these things a little bit more fully. I absolutely loved, loved, loved the Andor teaser trailer. Um, you know, if you know me from the from the podcast, uh, you know that I am a big fan of that particular era that the, the what is known as the dark time between episodes three and four uh, when the empire is asserting itself when it's putting its its boot heel on the neck of freedom in the galaxy uh, when its tyranny is 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 at its its fullest power right because there is no there is no new hope yet you know there's the galaxy's hopeless for for a stretch of about 20 years or so so I'm a big fan of that particular era and the the andor taser, uh, it just it just hits all the right buttons for me based off what I've seen. You know, we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna get to see some new unique cultures in Star Wars. It looks like, for lack of a better word, a really grown up kind of show. I don't think that's to be. Uh, a, a, I, I, I think we would have underestimated ourselves if we didn't think screenwriter Tony Gilroy was gonna was was gonna bring uh, some really mature content. To Star Wars, which again, if you if you listen, listen to this podcast for a long time, you know that that's, that's something that I've sort of been uh, uh, really kind of itching for is, is is a slightly darker, slightly more mature Star Wars program, something that kind of can get into some real emotional complexity, some real uh, uh, dramatic things for the for the characters, uh, and, and again, that's not to slight what we've gotten. Thus far, we've gotten very great Star Wars content, and uh, you know, again, if you listen to the show, you know how much I love it all. But I've, I've wanted to see Star Wars kind of broaden its artistic palette, if you will, and I think Tony Gilroy is going to be the guy to do that. And this Andor show sounds pretty darn incredible, and especially the information we've been getting uh, this past week or so that that the it's it's basically two parts or two seasons, twelve episodes, then twelve more episodes. I mean, in a, you know really long long run times. Uh, it, it it just sounds like the show that I've been uh, really, really, really looking forward to in my mind. <laughs> so hopefully it delivers. Hopefully it hits everything that we want it to hit. Uh, and I'm very, very encouraged from what I saw in that teaser. And again, I, I like Diego Luna. I like the Andor character. I would like to see. And in case you're not, in case you weren't aware, we are going to see the events that shape the character that we meet in Rogue One. So that's going to be really, really exciting. And there's going to be a dual storyline with Mon Mothma. That's going to be really exciting to see see that character kind of get fleshed out some more. Really, 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 really excited about it. All right. That being said, like I said, we're we're going to revisit Mandor. We'll talk we'll talk about all the all the big announcements uh, after celebration is wrapped up, and and uh, uh, maybe I can get some some firsthand accounts from the convention uh, on the podcast. I I will try. <laughs> I will try my best to make that happen. We'll see how it goes. That's for another time that we are here for episode one of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And in case you don't know, this episode, directed by Deborah Tra- Chow, who, again, if you remember, I was a big fan of her episodes in The Mandalorian. They, they entrusted her to kind of shepherd this project, bring it to life. And, and I think she ta- surrounded herself with a really talented cast and crew. Uh, the episode, the teleplay, is written by Joby Harold, with a story by Hosina Mini and Stuart Beatty, based, of course, on characters from... George Lucas himself. 
our cast this week. Uh, you know, we're just going to stick to the principles here because it's we, we got Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor, Joel Edgerton as Owen Lars, uh, we got Moses Ingram as Inquisitor Reva slash the Third Sister, uh, 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 Benny Safdie is in this, Song Kang is fifth brother, Song Kang, a guy who played a character named Han Solo in the Fast and the Furious movies is now an Inquisitor in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, Vivian Lyra Blair, we'll talk about her in a moment and her role in the show, uh, it, it and maybe we'll stop there for the moment because, I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so much to get into. I don't want to just get into everything right now because we're not, even, we're not even into the show yet, all right? So let's do that. Let's get into the show. Let's dive into it now. We've given credit to the, most of the people where credit's due. We'll talk about some other people in a moment. All right, let's go. I'm ready. I'm pumped. I'm excited. You know what time it is. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. For example, in our line of work, rumors run rampant. Here's one I heard just recently. It involves a Jedi hiding right here in your lovely saloon. Let's say ours is a wanderer. Maybe he's looking for people like him. Comes across this establishment Nice place. Then he sees you, a man in need. Perhaps the locals are stealing from you, threatening you. So what is the Jedi to do? Help you and risk exposure? Or move on? Now, if he were smart, he'd keep moving, but the Jedi Code is like an itch. He cannot help it, so he steps in and saves your saloon. You offer him a place to hide, fresh water, shade from the suns, but the stories they begin, and they travel quickly. His compassion has been his undoing. Uh, in case it wasn't clear from the header of the episode, we will be getting into some serious spoilers, so please make sure you have watched uh, watched at least the first episode of Kenobi, uh, because that is where we are keeping our focus on this. Uh, and again, we may dovetail into some uh, larger Star Wars lore, but again, we will try to stay very focused on the events of this particular episode and not get into episode two, in case you aren't to that episode just yet. So... We open up, we get a really, uh, uh, I don't know if a recap is the right word, but it kind of is, <laughs> of some of the main events of the prequel trilogy. You know, stuff with, with Anakin, Obi-Wan, kind of how their bond is forged, their friendship, how it all kind of comes to be, uh, the interactions with Maul, Jedi stuff. Again, they do a really fine job of encapsulating some of the bigger moments of the prequel, prequel trilogy in about four or five minutes. Uh, and then we're off to the races. We get all the stuff that we want. We get our new Obi-Wan theme. We get the, the, the credits that we want to see. And, and we're off. I mean, if you're not invested in this point, I mean, how do I, say, how do I say this for these opening moments? This is probably the closest that the Star Wars shows have made me feel to being in the cinema, if, if you will. This has like the sort of epic grandeur scope that 
Star Wars on the big screen ought to have. And I think for the first time, uh, again, not that, that not that the Mandalorian and Boba Fett didn't have scope to them, but this has a very cinematic feel to it that I really, really dug. I love the again that production design and in, in the show, uh, very distinct. It feels like a, the perfect companion piece to go after Episode Three, to go before Episode Four. Uh, it just it just has like that sort of gravitas as far as its its look and feel, and and that's really one of the things I wanted to. I, I was hoping they would hit, and we get that right away as we fly into Tatooine, the Inquisitor ship making its landing. I've been trying to get confirmation if they are in fact in Anchorhead, or if it's we're back to a, the familiar uh, trappings of Moss Eisley or even Moss Espa at this point. I sort of think it's Anchorhead because the, 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 the skyline is a bit different than the other cities that we've seen on Moss Eisley thus far. Uh, still awaiting confirmation on that. And Anchorhead is referenced later in the episode, so I, it sort of does make me think that that's the case. But if someone's read something or come across something faster than me, please, by all means, hit me up and let me know. Uh, but yeah, this is our introduction to live-action Inquisitors. And you know, a lot's been made of them online. Uh, specifically for the Grand Inquisitor and how his design is less uh, adapted. <laughs> a little bit, there's a little bit more uh, interpretation of his look from what we've seen of him in Star Wars Rebels. I'm fine with it. I think Rupert Friend is, is a fine actor to, to kind of bring this part to life. And, and I think he does a nice job. He kind of channels his inner Hans Landa in this opening sequence as he's stalking his way through the saloon. And, and uh, you know, he's... He's very visibly doing, very intentionally putting that vibe out there to, to, to sow fear and doubt and, and to get these townspeople to turn on each other and to rat out the Jedi that they are looking for. But as, we, as, as he's making his rounds, as he's sort of making the people uncomfortable and fearful, uh, we see Reva in the background with Fifth Brother on, to the other side. And this is our, sort of our first time, you know, thus far we've only seen Reva, but what we see of Reva in this sequence is that she lacks patience. She is uh, very fired up <laughs> and kind of doesn't have time for the theatricality, the, the, the theatrics of the Grand Inquisitor at this point. She has sort of had enough of his speech, his talking. It's time to just find the Jedi. And so she takes, she uses the Force, throws a knife at the saloon owner's head, and knowing that the Jedi will save his life as, as, as the Grand Inquisitor has just laid out. And, yeah, that's what happens. She goes for a kill shot. Inquisitor does not want him dead. Inquisitor wants this Jedi alive for interrogation. They want to find others. And uh, he has to, the Grand Inquisitor has to stop Reva's kill shot. Uh, so that allows the Jedi to make an escape, uh, which does not make him happy, but it allows us to get, a little, to get our sort of first insights into Reva, the third sister, and, and, and sort of her headspace. And I think it's very, very interesting and very, very telling. So let's go ahead and check this out real quick. You are reckless. Watch his after scraps. Scraps are all we have left. Then we should be hunting bigger prey. He is not yours to find. We are past this, third sister. I will not warn you again. You will forget this fixation with Kenobi or I will relieve you of your duties. Is that clear? Yes. Grand Inquisitor. Consider him forgotten. 
I don't believe her for a second. How about you guys? <laughs> but what we can what we what we can extrapolate from that that conversation is that uh, there is some sort of history between Riva and Kenobi that we are unaware of at this point. Uh, and what also strongly hinted at is that Riva has some sort of trauma from that connection, from that interaction she had with Kenobi in her past that put her on this path to being an Inquisitor. And we will get a little bit more information about that in the second episode, but we, for now we stay focused on this. Uh, and Riva, I think, is a intriguing character. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, from her, and I really do want to know more about this backstory, because again, as the Inquisitor says, she's fixated on Kenobi for a, a specific reason. I want to know what it is. I want to know um, more about it what was sort of the thing that kind of got her locked onto Kenobi as a target. Uh, and when we do the second episode, I will venture a couple theories as some more information comes to light. But yeah, for now, let's just keep it, you know, the mystery is building at this point as we get to kind of know, kind of know these characters. Uh, this is also an interesting scene because I think, you know, the trailer sort of led us to believe that the Inquisitors were there sniffing around for Kenobi specifically. Uh, but as this, episode, as this scene reveals, no, no, in fact, there's another Jedi on Tatooine. Uh, and Kenobi has, in fact, been laying low and, and just living a normal life. And that's what our next sequence is. You know, we see him out there, uh, a, a, a creature of some sort, whether from space or from the sands of Tatooine or, or perhaps even from the skies of Tatooine, has, has, has crashed into the desert. Uh, and they're, they're cutting it up into, 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 into meat. And this is how uh, Kenobi's making a living, you know, getting some credits here and there by slicing up uh, sashimi, if you will. And uh, um, <laughs> he pockets a little bit, feeds, his, feeds it to his Eopi, you know, and everyone's none the wiser. Though I kept waiting for him to get caught <laughs> and then for them to try to start something with Kenobi. And he would have to, we have to either, either see Obi-Wan uh, take some kind of beating from like the foreman of this job site or, you know, reveal himself and... What we see from Kenobi here in the beginning is, is is really, really interesting, but we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Destroy the Sith. We must. Send me to kill the Emperor. I will not kill Anakin. To fight this Lord Sidious strong enough, you are not. He is like my brother. I cannot do it. Twisted by the dark side, young Skywalker has become. The boy you trained, gone he is, consumed by Darth Vader. I do not know where the Emperor has sent him. I don't know where to look. Use your feelings, Obi-Wan, and find him you will. Back from a quick water break there, got a little thirsty. Got a little excited talking about this show. So yeah, now we get to catch up with Kenobi and see a bit of his day-to-day -day life, what he's been doing for the last ten years. And it's, it's mundane, it's monotonous, it is... So much like my own life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what what's really interesting about the, the the sequence is, you know, again, Obi Wan following his own advice, the message he left to the Jedi, to you know, lay low, stay hidden, and 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 go about living a normal life, so that you don't get killed by the Empire. And Obi Wan's taking that to heart. He's doing that. But there's more to it with Kenobi, as as we sort of find out through through this this opening sequence, catching up with him for the first time in ten years. Uh, tenure time in the, in the Star Wars story uh, is is you know how deeply affected he is by by the fall of the Jedi, his failures as as a teacher, as a friend, uh, as a Jedi, uh, the, the 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 sort of trauma he's dealing with on a daily basis from having to fight Anakin, from from killing Anakin in his in his mind, 
and 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 how he still suffers from that how he still has to deal with that wrestle with the with that the, the sort of inner, inner turmoil that that's caused him the sort of PTSD if you will that he has from the events of Re- of Revenge of the Sith uh, and and then how he use, is trying to not necessarily deal with those very things but to t- kind of tamp them down with his mission uh, by focusing his efforts on providing for the child keeping the child safe and and, and that's about the extent of his his jediness now jediness now because as we see through later on in the episode, Obi-Wan and, and the Force are not uh, on the same page at the moment. Obi-Wan is reluctant to get involved with anything to do with the Force. I mean, it, to, to him, it, 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 he betrayed it. It betrayed him. We're waiting to kind of get some more clarity on, on that. But he and the Force are not on the same page. That's probably the best way to describe it. They're just, he's not using the Force and he's not pursuing the Force. He's, Obi-Wan's lost. He's lost. He's his his sort of the sort of lust for life he had, the passion, sort of the fun go, going Obi Wan that we know from the Clone Wars era, you know, with the quips and and sort of the lighthearted uh, repartee, is it's gone. It's it's he's he's just defeated. He is kind of rudderless in a sense, other than his mission to protect Luke, uh, and it's just the day to day monotony, and he's sort of left with that but he's left the, all the Jedi stuff behind you know we, we'll catch up with him in a little bit as he tries to commune with he tries to reach out to talk to Qui-Gon but his relationship with the force isn't where it's supposed to be for, for that activity so despite the fact that Yoda has given him the tools to commune with Qui-Gon uh, it, it seems like Obi-Wan's not in a mental place to do so you know his 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 traumatic issues are, are affecting him and, and again he doesn't trust himself he doesn't trust the force He's completely lost confidence in himself, and and that's sort of the struggle that we find Obi Wan in, uh, as as our plot begins to rocket forward uh, on the next sequence of events. One thing I, I did want to play this this light moment uh, as we find out that basically Obi Wan's only real contact with uh, the outside world is is a Jawa that comes to his place. Uh, and he had a specific task for this Jawa. He wanted him to find a toy that he could give to Luke Skywalker. And it's the model of the T-16 that we all know from Episode 4. Uh, but I enjoyed this little exchange with the Jawa, T- with the Jawa named Tika. Because a Jawa's going to Jawa. And that's what we learned in this sequence. Yes, I had some parts stolen. I need a new processor board. Tika, if you're going to steal my parts and then sell them back to me, could you at least clean them first, as a courtesy? Yes, indeed. Cleaning does cost extra, my friends. That is a fact. So I, I enjoy that bit. Uh, a moment of, of levity in, 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 uh, as, as we catch up with our hero in a very dark place. We get a little moment of, of, of humor. Uh, after that, though, it's Obi-Wan... Again, having that PTSD, reliving the dark moments, reliving his fight, his his battle with what he believes to be his final battle with Anakin Skywalker, and and again how that's affected it, how that haunts him, and and again Obi Wan is in a dark place for himself, a loss of confidence, a loss in his his his, his self, and we are going to have to find him in a better place if we're gonna he's gonna have to get himself into a better place if he's gonna be able to be the sort of protector slash mentor slash guardian for a young Luke Skywalker that he wants to be. Now, now we'll get to the stuff with Owen in a little bit here, uh, but the, because the next sequence is the next day where, where, you know, from the trailers, we saw 
Obi-Wan observing young Luke from a distance, you know, the moisture farm, as, as Luke breaks away from, from Owen to go and play instead of doing his chores. You know, again, very on brand for Luke Skywalker. Uh, and this is, is in, in Luke, in, excuse me, in, and Obi-Wan waits for nightfall so that he can deliver uh, the T-16, you know, in secret to the, to the Owens, uh, to the Lars Moisture Farm. Uh, it's on his way back to his cave. We should mention that Obi-Wan's living in a cave at this point. He doesn't have the, the hut that we find him in in Episode 4 when, 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 when he rescues Luke from the Tusken Raiders. No, no, no. Uh, again, this is, this is sort of part of like this, this no-confidence Obi-Wan Kenobi, this, this loss of self, is that he just hides in a cave. You know, he, he isn't part of the community. He isn't trying to be anything more than, than a, a, you know, essentially a scavenger in, in a sense. I mean, he's taking these odd jobs as like a day laborer. Uh, he attempts to moisture farm for his, his own sake for water. Jawa steal from him. He buys the parts back. It, it's a very sad life that Obi-Wan has at this point. And again, it, it's, and I think it's like him sort of doing penance, right? He wants to, to live this sort of destitute kind of lifestyle as a way to uh, pay for his sins against Anakin, right? That's I think I think that's sort of what he's going through, how he's sort of processing it, the choices that he's made to to live this way. You know, he wants to do his mission. He wants to keep an eye on the boy. He wants to eventually train the boy. And again, we will talk about the moment that we've all seen from the trailers between he and and uh, Owen Lars. But you know, it's it's important to kind of get into Obi Wan's mental state now, uh, particularly as we find out what the real plot of the show is going to be, at least our main plot of the story. I mean, we know from the trailers that there's bigger things happening here, but like, what's sort of like the inciting incident that gets Kenobi back into the galactic fray, if you will, after, after, you know, hiding and laying low for 10 years. And yeah, it's, it, it's a pretty shocking moment, but yeah, it's on the moment. It's on the way back from dropping the T-16 off at night that Obi-Wan has the encounter with the Jedi, who's on the run from the Inquisitors. And again, we see just how, how laid low Obi-Wan is uh, because he, he won't help this Jedi. He won't hide this Jedi. He just tells him to put it all behind him, let it go, bury his lightsaber in the sand, and try to live a normal life. Stop stop trying to like fight the fight. The fight's over. We lost. It's done. Move on. And again, that speaks to, to Obi-Wan's mental state, where he's at right now. And, and what's going to be that spark... That, that brings the Obi-Wan that we know and love kind of back to life, back to uh, prominence. And, and, and again, it kind of reinstills that sense of self-confidence that Obi-Wan's always had. Even, even when he was a brash, arrogant Padawan, you know, Obi-Wan was, was confident, at least in himself. He, he has to get back to that place, though. Again, the traumas, the, uh, the PTSD from fighting Anakin, big-time stuff. It's a lot of a lot of heady things, but being in, in Obi Wan's headspace right now is really really important because it's after the meeting with the Jedi that we shift scenes, and again this is this is the moment in the episode. Y- you know, you all know me. I don't go on to, to message boards and, and Reddit threads and and start playing the speculation games. I don't want to do that. I want to have as close to a non-spoiler experience watching these shows as I can. So I don't like to play the speculation game. I don't want to analyze every piece of every frame of a trailer, every, every frame of a teaser to, to try and decipher something. I don't look at all the casting announcements. I don't want to know most of the time. I'd, I'd rather be surprised. And a lot of that stems from 
the first time as a kid watching The Empire Strikes Back. And when Darth Vader drops that knowledge on Luke, that he's his father, in that moment where your brain explodes, I have basically spent my entire life trying to recreate that moment where my brain explodes. What happens in the next sequence when we shift from Tatooine to Alderaan was pretty close to that moment because I, was, I, I couldn't believe. I was like, wait a second. Did, do people know about this and I don't? I'm like, what's happening right now? I had no idea we were going to Alderaan. I had no idea we were going to see uh, uh, the Organas, uh, Jimmy Smith returning as Bail Organa. I had no idea we were going to spend time with a, a, a very fiery, precocious uh, uh, Princess Leia at, a, at the age of 10 years old. And my mind almost broke in half. I was so delighted to, 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 to see this because... Again, the, the, and the trailers do a wonderful job of, of, of sort of misdirecting us to keep the focus on Obi-Wan watching after Luke. This makes so much sense in so many ways because, well, you know what? Hold I'm going to put a pin in that and talk about that for the episode two uh, uh, conversation. But, but knowing that something is going on with Leah in this show, you have to start to wonder. Again, we, we're sort of speculating. We, we sort of wonder... We have some questions about Reva when we meet her. Now we have to question, like, oh, why is why are we meeting Princess Leia? What's going on in this show? And again, we find out that she gets up into adventures. She likes to uh, shirk her duties. Again, different kind of duties than Luke has as as the, as the adopted son of a moisture farmer. Uh, but she is attempting to dodge her royal responsibilities. She doesn't she doesn't want to go to these fancy dinners. She doesn't want to go to the spaceport and ride back and wave at people from the hover cars, and and all that stuff. Uh, she wants to go play in the woods with her little with her little droid Lulu, and uh, Lola. Lola? Yeah, there's Lola. No, Lulu. I we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> I'll double check that. But what we find by the end of that scene is when when her when her mother Brea takes her back to the palace, uh, someone's watching, and it's ominous. And we know that she is in danger. And again, this is, as an audience, we're starting to connect the dots. We're like, oh my gosh, this danger to to Leia is going to be what brings Obi-Wan out of, out of hiding and, and, and puts him back into the mix. Uh, and, and it's, again, I think it's really, really well done. What happens next, we cut back to Tatooine after the, the, the implied threat to, uh, to Leia is sort of revealed as we see the back of the head of a dangerous, nefarious-looking fella in the woods watching Leia, kind of seeing her patterns, figuring out what the move's going to be. And... Yeah, I mean, we know it's going to be bad news. But what happens? Okay, so now we cut back to Tatooine, and here is our moment between uh, between Obi Wan Kenobi, Owen Lars. We've seen parts of this from the trailer. This is this will be the full clip uh, with the, which has another uh, uh, soon to be classic Owen Lars burn on Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, we talked about this. I, if you're following me on Instagram, uh, this is—I think this—I think I mostly posted this on Instagram. Uh, maybe I maybe admitted to the Twitter, but it's definitely on the Instagram. I posted a bunch of the panels from—I believe it was from Star Wars 15, uh, back uh, from like 2015, 2016, something like that. Uh, Jason Aaron had written. Uh, they started. They started doing like these these one shot issues uh, from the journals of Obi Wan Kenobi, and a lot of it is his time on Tatooine between between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And there's an exchange in that comic that's very similar to what we see in this sequence between uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi and Joel Edgerton's uh, Owen Lars. And 
I, I can't tell you how delighted I was to see Owen uh, to see Joel Edgerton come back and be Owen Lars once again. Joel Edgerton, I think, is a really fantastic actor. I really like his body of work over the years. And his willingness to come back and be Uncle Owen, possibly one of the most misunderstood Star Wars characters of all time, uh, is, is, is really fascinating to me. I really uh, respect that. And he brings, again, he brings a certain, um, I'll just use the word again, a certain gravitas to the part. I mean, you know, Joel Edgerton, you know, he's, he's a little bit more under the radar, but that dude can act his face off. And, 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 and seeing him do this is really, really great stuff. And, and we're going to talk more about Uncle Owen uh, down the road. I, I got a whole thing lined up to talk about Owen. I was hoping to have time to get into it before the show debuted. Uh, but we had, we had some Star Wars news to talk about the Vanity Fair article last week. So that sort of pushed things back a little bit. And we're going to get into to talking about Uncle Owen. Again, one of, in my opinion, one of the most misunderstood Star Wars characters of all time. But let's go ahead and check out this sequence between... Obi-Wan and Owen Lars. I want you to stay away from him. We don't need anything from you, Ben. It's just a toy. It's a lot more than that. There's more to life than your farm, Owen. He needs to see that. There's a whole galaxy out there. I'm asking you to leave us alone, Ben. I mean it. Is he okay? You don't care if he's okay. You care if he's showing. It's my responsibility, Owen. Well, I'm his uncle. We talked about this. When the time comes, he must be trained. Like you trained his father? Anakin is dead, Ben. And I won't let you make the same mistake twice. So leave him on the farm with his family where he belongs. Sick burn. Now, this is also leads into the, another great moment of, of just imperial intimidation. The Inquisitors, in particular, intimidating the townspeople. Uh, uh, Reva, fifth brother, you know, making threats, trying to find this Jedi still. They haven't found the Jedi that, that Obi-Wan encountered in the desert last night. So now they're looking for leads. And again, this is, this is a moment where o- Owen can, can save his own skin by just pointing to Obi-Wan over there in the corner by the by the EOP, right? Obi-Wan's right there. <laughs> and again, this is something we've talked about in the past in, 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 in other Star Wars-related shows and things like this. Obi-Wan has to actively be pulling himself, pulling the Force into himself and, and shutting down, or he has to be uh, effusing himself of the Force at this point, right? Or else they would know he's there. So... Again, Obi-Wan has to be disconnected from the Force or else they would be able to, to sense him there. This is, this, is how, this is how desperate Obi-Wan has become. How uh, uh, strongly his, his sense of self, his sense of self-confidence is gone. Is that he doesn't, even, it, he doesn't even let the Force be part of him anymore. He's just done with it. He's over with it. He tries to diminish his connection to it as much as possible. Or again, they would sense him. They would know that he's there because he's 20 feet away from him. And again, this, what I really like about the sequence here is uh, what it says about Owen's character. Because Owen could very easily just point to Obi-Wan and be like, hey, I, you know, there's a Jedi over there. Get him. And it would solve, Obi-Wan, or it would solve Owen's problems you know, of having to worry about Ben interfering. But Owen's a good man. You know, he may not agree with Obi-Wan. He may not like Obi-Wan because of, of what happened with Anakin you know, and, and, and the, the various history of the Jedis. And, and again, and, 
Owen says as much, that he has no love for the Jedi. But he's a good man. He's not going to see someone get killed. He's not going to have someone get executed um, and just rat them out. You know, like Owen has integrity. And I think that this scene speaks a lot about Owen's integrity as, as a character. Uh, you know, he may be a, a, a gruff, kind of curmudgeonly fella, but the life of a moisture farmer is hard. And, and, and you know, we don't know the details of why he and Baru couldn't have children of their own. Uh, so I think Owen also looks at, at Obi-Wan arriving that day on an Eopi with a small baby as, as, you know, something of a blessing, right? Because they probably were trying to have a child. There was probably some sort of fertility issue. I mean, I'm speculating wildly here. Or, I mean, maybe there's even a deeper trauma. Maybe something happened with with Tusken Raiders. You know, maybe there was a raid and, you know, a, a, a baby was killed. I mean, who knows? But now Owen is the foster father and the uncle of, of Luke Skywalker. And... I think there's a certain level of gratitude at that because they have like this blessing in their in their lives now. They have this this child that they they for whatever reason didn't have before, and 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 so while he may not like Obi Wan, may while he may not respect the Jedi, has no love for the Jedi, he's not going to rat him out. I love the sequence. I think it's really really good stuff. Really really well acted. Joel Edgerton on fire, and again we're seeing more of Reva's character and the sort of ruth and ruthlessness that she has in her hunt for Jedi. And again, she thinks she's above this. She thinks she's above finding the, the scraps. And as the Inquisitor said, that's all there's left because Darth Vader, when there's, a, when there's a, a big fish to get, Darth Vader goes to get those, all right? That's, that's sort of how the Purge era has been depicted in, in comic books and novels and, and things like that. You know, the Inquisitors being introduced was, was sort of an interesting uh, uh, ruffle when they were doing Rebels. Uh, because we, this was something that was at, at, at until that introduction, you know, we we just thought Vader went around and killed all the Jedi that were left over. Now we find out that yeah, Vader does kill the big Jedi, but like those those little ones, those little tiny fish, the minnows. Now he's not, you know, whatever. That's what the Inquisitors are for. They get the scraps, as the Inquisitor has said. That's all that's there for them. But Vader wants to kill the big guys. He wants to kill any of the known quantity Jedi's, like you know, the Masters, any of the ones that. Are a, would be a real threat that he would consider on his level. And, and you know, we'll talk a little bit more, I think, in episode two uh, about sort of the contentious relationship that Vader has with the Inquisitors because I, that's not something that they're talking about at this moment in the show. Uh, but Vader, you know, he's not crazy about the Inquisitors. They're not like his favorite group of people. He, he tolerates them because the Emperor wants this. Uh, but in his mind, he, he should be the one killing all the Jedi. And, and... He to- but he tolerates the Inquisitors. So let's go ahead and check back in with Reva here in this sequence with Owen. What's your name? Owen. Owen. Farmer, right? Wife? Kids? My family's of no concern to they you. They might be. You got a Jedi on that farm too? No. Why should I believe you? I have no love for the Jedi. Jedi vermin. I kill vermin on my farm. You protect your family. I like that, Anna. It's important. You think you could protect them from me? Tell me where! 
where the Jedi is, or this man and his family die. The Jedi are cowards. They failed you, abandoned you. There is no point in protecting them. They would not do the same for you. But you can save this man. Save his family. So fifth brother interrupts and you have to wonder, is Obi-Wan going to come out at some point to uh, save Owen, right? He has to be fighting every instinct in his body. But again, Obi-Wan's lack of confidence at this point, his loss of self, he's probably doubting all these things. And honestly, this Obi-Wan, how effective in a fight would he be against an Inquisitor? I think is the question we have to ask. All right, we're going to go back into the Alderaan sequence because I I want to check out a little bit. I want to spend a little bit more time with our young precocious Leia that we haven't done yet. I sort of skipped that to get to the Owen and Kenobi stuff. Let's go back now. Let's go back to Alderaan and kind of check in with our young princess. So I want to play the little bit where it's 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 young Leia in the tree with her little droid Lola, and they're watching the ships take off from the spaceport uh, because this has some wonderful Easter eggs in it. So I want to go ahead and play this sequence. So let's go ahead and check this out as they are watching ships depart from Alderaan. Medical fighter. Pleasure barge, boring. Casino ship, not bad. Ooh, a tri-wing, that's a new one. Winnipeg Ranger, probably scouting for Mersan pirates. All right, if you're a longtime fan of the original Star Wars screenplay, if you had a chance to read that or peruse the Dark Horse adaptation of it, the Aquilian Rangers, this is all stuff from the early George Lucas drafts of Star Wars. Merson Pirates, all of it. It's uh, Merson Pirates, are, excuse me, are from early Marvel Star Wars comics uh, back in the 70s, 80s. Uh, but the, the Aquilian Rangers, Aquil- Aquilonian Rangers, that's early George Lucas drafts of Star Wars. That's kind of a fun little Easter egg in there. Uh, but let's check out the rest of the sequence now. So, traitor maybe? You had to do this today? Do what? Down. It is like raising a glorag. No Lola for the rest of the day. But she didn't do anything. Shut her down. I mean it. If you behaved as well as you climb, you'd be a senator already. <sighs> You'll have to change in the speeder. Come. It's not like anyone would miss me if I wasn't there. I'd miss you. All I ever do is wave. Then do more than wave. You get out of this what you put into it. I'm sorry, Mother. I really am. I promise I won't do it again. You know, I can feel you doing that. Come 
and she's picking her mom's pocket <laughs> to get the droid back. It's so good. It's really, really wonderful. This this stuff blew me out of the water. I was this was not something I was expecting to see, but it makes so much sense in the grand scheme of things. And again, we'll spend more time talking about that uh, when we break down episode two. But just what a delight! What an absolute delight this was to spend time on Alderaan and to spend time with a young Leia who we've not really had much interactions with. Uh, previously in in the, in this regard you know a lot of times we're focused on you know long, young luke how great is it that we're spending time with a, a young leia and and i really really love this 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 avenue they took this 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 road they went down uh because you know we we've, we've seen some interviews with with deborah chow recently where you know she was encouraged after the, after the first round of scripts to swing big and to swing bigger than what they were going for. And that's how they ended up with Vader and all these other things in the, into the script. And I wonder if Leia was another one of those swings too because we had heard reports that the first round of scripts didn't work out because it was maybe a little bit too similar to The Mandalorian with Obi-Wan maybe looking after Luke in sort of a similar fashion. So why not mix it up? Have Leia in, in this scenario so that you, you force Obi-Wan to kind of get back into the, into the galactic saddle again uh, to... to aid her in, 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 in the assistance that she will need at some point in the, in the very, very near future of this series. <laughs> so I really love this this approach. Again, this blew me out of the water. I didn't see this coming at all. Loved every freaking second of it. And this young girl they have playing Leia, I think, is just fantastic. Kind of embodies all those character traits that we know about Leia. Uh, you know, and, and again, and also seeing the similarities between her and her twin, Luke. Like, we just saw Luke shirking his responsibilities to go play and pretend he's flying a speeder or whatever. And now we see uh, uh, Leia doing the same thing to go climb a tree and, and, and watch uh, ships depart the spaceport on Alderaan. It's, it's really, really awesome stuff. So the next little sequence I want to play is, is we're, again, we're going to stay on Alderaan. We're at the big party. Uh, the queen's sister is in town, brought her stupid, lame husband with her. And... What I like about this sequence is again, again, it's 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 the queen, it's Bale, and they're having this conversation with the the husband of of the queen's sister, and we're seeing what kind of person supports the empire, what sort of person is pro empire, and it's the sort of person who wants to line their pockets and make a ton of money. Surprise, surprise. But I like the sequence. I like Bale Organa's sort of being I, I suppose diplomatic is one way to put it in the way that he's trying to kind of say oh you know we got some work to do in this whole empire thing but uh you know again just check it out after the disaster of the republic the empire is finally lining some pockets huh? there are still some issues that we need to address slave labor taxation of the outer right i didn't come here to end slavery about I came to eat your food. <laughs> Save the bleeding heart for the Senate. A drink, Senator. And that was C-3PO's cameo right there, <laughs> in case you missed it. R2-D2's moving around this party serving drinks, too, in case you missed that as well. So we get our droids. We know they're doing well in Alderaan, serving their function. But what I like next is, is this bit with, with Leia. And this, again... The first sequence with her, I think, show, kind of shows that mischievous side of her, uh, the sort of playful, rebellious side of her. But the sequence now with her cousin uh, shows the Leia that we, we will come to get to know best, the one who stands for what's right and has no problem saying what's on her mind 
uh, especially because she's in the right. <laughs> so check this out. It's it's really good. It's probably a long clip. I'll get in trouble for playing it, but you know that won't be the first time. Your Highness. Oh, thanks, Wyo. My pleasure. You think you're droids? It's good manners. You don't need manners when you're talking to a lower life form. Then I guess I don't need manners when I'm talking to you. You know the difference between you and me, cousin? I know things. You know, my father says they never let you leave this planet. They don't want anybody to know about you because you're not one of us. You're not even a real Organa. You're scared of him. Your father. You want him to like you so you repeat what he says, even though you don't really know what it means. You think being like him will make people frightened of you, but really, you're the one who's scared. Never made one decision for yourself in your entire life, and you never will. I may not have seen much, cousin, but I can see that. That is a burn. <laughs> that is so good. I love that so much. Everyone was so excited about those burns that uh, that Owen was throwing down on Obi Wan, but but that burn that Leia just uh, dropped on her cousin, that boy is not recovering anytime soon from that. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. This kid playing Leia is fantastic. Love her to pieces already. So Leia does get in a little bit of trouble though for that, and and the, and the Queen and and. Uh, uh, Bail Organa, they want her to apologize. Leia has no interest in it, but I, I, and I love this little chat between Bail and Leia. Again, that that relationship between them is is very very important in in the in the in, in Star Wars. So I like this little moment uh, between them. So I want to go ahead and play this for y'all too. Again, probably gonna get in trouble. Not the first time. I wanted to live out way past Cthulhu when I was your age. Chase Pergo. You know, I... Purgle. We're in Star Wars Rebels. Go check it out. Good stuff. Had a whole plan. What happened? I got older. Had to find some other adventures. Started chasing your mother instead. This is your future, Leia. In a few years, you'll be off to university, then junior senate. The senate's boring. It's people in itchy clothes arguing. <laughs> well... It may seem so. I don't want to be a senator. Which is why you'll probably be one of the best. Not even a real Organa. Don't ever say that. You are a child. You are an Organa in every way. One day this planet will look to you, Leia. There are many ways to lead. You just have to find yours. Plus, imagine the look on your cousin's face when you get to boss him around for real. <laughs> but for now, we will apologize. Yes, Father. Hmm. I'll wait for you downstairs. And they do their little pinky promise. And it's so cute and adorable. And I love it so, so much. 
you have to wonder, right? When Jimmy Smith signed on to be Bail Organa in, in episode two in Attack of the Clones, did he think he was still going to be doing this role for like the next 30 years? Uh, it, it's okay, maybe not 30, but 20 years, right? Like, this is pretty wild. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be in the Star Wars prequels and that'll be that. And, and now we, they just bring him back. And it's always a delight to see him because Jimmy Smith is fantastic. I've become such a fan of his over the years. Uh, uh, and I'm always just delighted when he comes back. Always delighted to see Jimmy Smith come back and be Bail Organa. He's fantastic. And this scene between he and, and Leia is just just so cute and charming. And, and ah, it's wonderful. But this is also the moment where things are about to pick up. Things are about to get a little, a little cray-cray. So we'll catch up with Leia as she's decided to run off once again through the woods instead of making that apology she didn't want to make in the first place. Hello, princess. Why are you here? Just waiting. For what? For you. And indeed, that is Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, again, who I had no idea was going to be in a Star Wars show. So that makes another person <laughs> in a Star Wars show before me. <laughs> the list keeps growing and growing. Uh, but yes, now we, we find out that Flea, in fact, wants to kidnap Leia for nefarious purposes that we are unsure of. Other than, I mean, hey, the daughter of a, of a senator, the, you know, the daughter of the Queen of Alderaan. You know, there's probably some rents of potential here. We we don't think anything more of it than that thus far. Though we do see the flea has two goons with him. One looks like a Falleen, which is exciting because I don't think we've seen too much of the Falleen since the new Disney continuity. Uh, so that might be an interesting development. We'll see how that plays out over time. Uh, but we had an interesting sequence here. Leia initially running away. Thinks she's going to get rescued by one of the palace guards who flea shoots. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know... Time to join the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I suppose. And, or, or not. That's a really bad joke. I am so, so sorry for that one. Holy smokes. I, I, I could have done something else. I went with that one. Low-hanging fruit. And the lowest of hanging fruits. I apologize. Really, really bad stuff. But yeah, the princess is kidnapped. And, you know, who are the Organas to turn to in their moment of desperation? So they, yes, of course, they reach out to Obi-Wan, who's uh, sitting out on his little vestibule, if you will. And, and he hears a chime, uh, something long forgotten, buried in, in, in his stuff, his old communicator that he didn't think he'd ever hear activated again. And, and with, with a, a, a lot of trepidation, he goes towards it, uncovers it, finds it. It is, in fact, beeping. He's not losing his marbles. Uh, and it, 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 it looks like there's genuine hesitation on, on his face as, as he goes to activate the device. Um, let's check it out as, as Obi-Wan has to sort of begin to confront his past probably for the first time in quite some time. We don't know who it was. No ransom, no leads. Whoever they are, they knew where she would be. They, they were waiting. <clears throat> she needs you, Obi-Wan. We can't trust anyone else. What about the Senate? We cannot let this become public. It would draw too much attention. Were you a guard then? Or a bounty hunter? Only you know how important she really is, Obi-Wan. If Leia is discovered... I can't leave here, Bail. My duty is to the boy. What about your duty to his sister? She's as important as he is. 
been ten years. I'm not who I used to be. Find someone else. She'll be better off. There it is. That stunning lack of confidence that Obi-Wan has. And again, an Obi-Wan that we've never seen before. He is shook. Ten years later, and he, he doubts himself more than ever. And and again, he understands. I think he knows and agrees with everything that that Bale is saying to him. You know, that, that Leia is just as important as as Luke. And that he uh, he's Again, it's essentially being a coward, sort of like what Riva said in the town uh, when she called the all Jedi cowards, and and that's exactly what we're seeing from Obi Wan. You know, he's he's afraid to be himself. He's afraid to get involved. He's afraid to put himself back out there again because of of what's occurred, what's happened to him, the the the, the traumas that he's been through uh, since being a Jedi, since his his sort of fall from grace, if you will. Uh, it's it's really again, Ewan McGregor just acting his face off as well. You know the 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 emotion in his face as he tells them that he can't do this that they would be better off and and we as the audience knowing the heights of Obi-Wan at his greatness uh to so to see him in this position uh it, it's 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 really heartbreaking it's really sad to see an Obi-Wan this way you know in in, in a way that we've never seen him before so ah oh, oh it get come on you got to be getting the feels already right so Obi-Wan goes about his day. Uh, hold on. Actually, we cut to the spaceship. Flea spaceship. Uh, they're tying up Princess Leia. We don't know where they're going. They're just heading off world. They're not going to be on Alderaan anymore. But we knew from the trailers that Obi-Wan's adventures were, were going to take him off of Tatooine at some point. So, you know, we're just connecting dots from those early trailers, right? Now we go back to Tatooine. Back to Obi-Wan's day-to-day rigmarole, slicing that extra piece of sashimi for the Yeopi, riding back to the desert from the town. Again, is it Anchorhead? Not positive. Could be. Uh, and his little droid security uh, bot that's buried in the sand lets him know that there is someone in his cave waiting for him. Uh, and it's, it is, of course, no surprise that it is Bail Organa, uh, who will not take Obi-Wan's no for an answer this time. And he comes in person, face-to-face, to uh, persuade Obi-Wan that this is the move. She's headed for Dayu. He should not have come. They hid their signature behind a freight transport. The ship is on its way there now. I can't. She's my daughter, Obi-Wan. I told you. I'm not the man you remember. Well, you're going to have to be. I can't leave the boy. This isn't about the boy, and you know it. You've made mistakes. We all did. It's the past. Move on. Be done with it. You couldn't save Anakin. But you can save her. And what if I can't? There is no one I trust more with my child than you. Please, old friend. For her. One last fight. That's a persuasive argument. Bail Organa must have been a pretty darn good senator, I I would imagine. So we cut back to a captive Leia at that point. She's gotten her little droid Lula out, and Lula's trying to cut her free, and we think that maybe maybe Leia's going to make a break for it. Not so fast. Flea shows up, smashes the droid, smashes her escape attempts. 
Uh, now we cut back to Tatooine. Obi-Wan on the EOP heading out deep into the desert. Uh, but he seems to know exactly where he's going, and he's brought his shovel with him. Uh, and he, what he digs up, I think we all waited for it. A, a, a simple case with two lightsabers inside. And we know that, it, that yes, uh, the plea from Bail Organa has succeeded. And Obi-Wan, despite his reluctance, his hesitation, his doubts, and, and uh, again, the holes in his confidence, uh, will attempt to rescue Princess Leia here. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really visually striking moment when, he's, when he pulls the lightsabers out of the sand. Again, we've been seeing lightsabers get buried in sand for a little while now. Uh, it's nice to see some get unburied from the desert, in my opinion. <laughs> I did neglect to mention, too, that when Obi-Wan's coming back from his day-to-day rigmarole, uh, you know, cutting that, cutting that, cutting that meat, that uh, when he gets back to town, they have, in fact, the, the Inquisitors have, in fact, caught the Jedi. He's hanging there in the town square for all the world to see. And I th- again, I think Obi-Wan feels that he's now failed this Jedi, too, by not helping him. So this is like another compounded failure uh, for Obi-Wan that he now has to, you know, another, another cross to bear, another, another weight for his shoulders, another rock to push up the hill as if he were Sisyphus. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Obi-Wan's got a lot of failures stacking up on him at this point. Uh, and maybe, maybe that, that's also part of the motivator to get him out of this, 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 uh, rut that he tends to find himself in this, 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 uh, swirling spiral of despair that he, he lives himself in is, is, now it's time. He's going to listen to, to Bail. He's going to take the tip to Dayu. He's going to go get his lightsabers, and he's going to save this girl because another person has died because of him. And now it's, it's time to, to step up and make sure that another person doesn't die, and it's not another uh, cross for him to bear. And it's also at this time that our kidnappers are reaching out to their employer. They are not the ones pulling up. They're not the masterminds of this. They are, in fact, hired... And we very quickly find out that they have been hired by Reva. Let's check it out. You sure he's gonna come? He fought beside her father during the war. He'll come. He won't be able to help it. The Jedi will hunt himself. All right, now I want to talk about that sequence just for a little bit here because it feels like there have been some misinterpretations of that that particular line. Uh, And... People saying like, "Wait, how does Reva know that Anakin is Leia's father?" Assuming because that, that that's what they're talking about, that's not what's happening there at all. That is not the case. Uh, that is our knowledge infecting the the dialogue. What Reva is saying is that Obi Wan fought beside Bail Organa in the Clone Wars. They still believe that Bail Organa is Leia Organa's father. Okay, and that you know that it's, it's all. On the up and up. There's no there, there's no questioning of that, at least at this point in the show. I think that's a, a, a misinterpretation that's being spread around on the internet that some sort of um, that Reva has some sort of greater insight than she actually does. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of that stuff in episode two. All right. Uh, this time around, it's a uh, you know we're gonna catch up with our our friend at the spaceport, and we get a. Let's just kind of get to the point. It's it's Obi Wan's again reluctant, hesitant, not sure what to do. He's this is a big step for Obi Wan, uh, and it's mostly music in here. But there's one moment that kind of gets the lets us know that the show's about to really begin. Well, you coming or not?
And there it is. That is the first episode of Kenobi. Wow, wow, wow. This was a really great episode. I love this. What a great way to catch up to our character, to our hero. Uh, and and to find him in a place that I don't know, I think we I think we could tell from the trailers that he was uh, despairing, that he was at a low point. Uh, but to to see how haunted he is, to see how heavily burdened he is by his failures, uh, is is really really great writing, I think. Uh, and then again, when Bale shows up, it's like you know what, we all messed up. We got to move on. You know, we're never gonna get. We're never going to restore liberty. We're never going to restore freedom to the galaxy if we just wallow in despair. And and he, he's right. And I think Obi-Wan re- agrees to that. He understands that, that Bail Organa is correct. Uh, but for Obi-Wan, it, it's it's difficult to make that first step now. He's been doing this for 10 years, 10 years of hiding, laying low, you know, staying off the radar. And again, I think very actively avoiding the Force. You know, he is he's not... Uh, he did, I don't think he considers himself a Jedi anymore. He says it to the other Jedi, the one who, who ends up dying in this episode, that the time of the Jedi is over. And and I think Obi-Wan believes that more firmly than anyone. And again, he's lost hope. Again, uh, Star Wars has, has, has put its bread and butter on the concept, the idea, the belief in hope and hopefulness. And Obi-Wan has lost his. He is despairing. And he has to get his hope back. And... You know, maybe by the end of the series, you, well, you want to believe that that's what we're going to get because we have to get Obi-Wan to a, a, a better place by the end of the six episodes, right? We have to see an Obi-Wan on his way back up again. It, it, again, it's like a pendulum, right? You know, when, when Attack of the Clones ends, he's, down, he's swinging downward from that high that he was on. And now he's at that lowest point. We have to go back up so that we can get Obi-Wan to the place where he needs to be to help guide Luke more fully. But there's going to be a lot to do in the meantime. A lot going on in, in, in episode two. And, and yeah, let, let's just stop there. I don't want to say too much. But I, I love this episode. I love being reintroduced to these characters in this way. And I loved going to Alderaan, connecting with a young Leia, something we've not seen a lot of in the past, especially not in, in live action stuff. Now, you know, nothing at all. You know, anything to do with with Leia's past has always been sort of just referred to. But actually, spending time with Leia in this fashion is so wonderful, and and to see her uh, in this light, and to see her have a, a very similar childhood to Luke's. It, yes, it's in a palace, and 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 you know she's she's draped in more fineries and things like that. But like she she shuffs these things off. She's she is resistant to these things. She just wants to go play in the woods and climb a tree and be a child, much like Luke, who wants to shirk his responsibilities on the farm to go play and pretend to be a speeder pilot on you know on the side of the of the house. It's 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 just wonderful to see these these things and and, and kind of all have it come together. And the, the, the young ac- actor playing Leia is, uh, in my opinion, she's pitch perfect. I, I love what she's bringing, the energy she has. Again, that sort of, uh, it, she has like this sort of subtle intensity, but this wonderful precociousness at the same time. Uh, really, really like what's going on with that so far. And I, I'm optimistic it stays on track. Uh, there have been a couple of turd burglars on the internet who don't seem to like Reva very much. I think Reva's got some good, good stuff going on. I want to see more about that character. I think we're going to get to find out that character's trauma at a certain point. Like, what was the the moment for her? What set her on this path? And how does Kenobi fit into all of it? Now, we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode because we do get some more information. But we still don't really know sort of like the moment 
for for Revo? Like what put her on Kenobi's scent? You know, is there was there a moment with them in the past? You know, was was Reva not selected for Jedi training at some point because of Obi Wan Kenobi or something like that? You know, we'll we'll have to find out. There there there, there does seem to be a history there, but I think there's more going on there, and we're gonna have to explore a little bit of, of more about the Inquisitor's role in the Empire, their relationship to Darth Vader, and we will talk about that in our next installment because uh, after I turn off the recorder for this one, I'm getting right back at it for Episode Two. Uh, hopefully I'll be a little bit shorter, a little bit more succinct. I don't like it when I go over an hour, but that's just how it goes sometimes. And this was a big episode, and I think there's a lot, lot to kind of process and get into right away. Uh, another, another, ooh, oh my goodness gracious. Well, if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope I've made a decent impression on you, and you'll come back for our next one. Uh, new listeners, old listeners, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Uh, so glad you're here. We try to have as much fun on this podcast as humanly possible uh, because it's a Star Wars show, and a Star Wars show should be gosh darn a fun time. You can reach out to us on social media, and I would love it if you did. I'm at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email me, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing, and following this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. And you know what? This is the Kenobi show, so you, you know, share with your Jedi friends, share with your Sith friends, uh, share with your pirate friends, your smuggler friends. Let's just get out there. We're in the galaxy at large here. We're not so focused on the Mandos today. Uh, if, you're po- if, if you're inclined, you want to help the show out, you can give us a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. They are insanely, insanely helpful in our quest to defeat the tyranny of the algorithm. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so. You can become an official Mandovision Maniac at patreon.com forward slash Mandovision. You can join the Maniacs and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspenhill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff has a podcast called The Ringing Ear. Check it out. It's all about music. It's a great show. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company here in San Diego, California and Baltimore, Maryland. The Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who should not be named. And Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast that I recommend. Check them out. Thank you all so, so much. We're going to be back in like a couple hours with episode two for Kenobi. So get ready. Just keep your bucket on. Keep it on all day. You should have it on all weekend. It's celebration weekend. The news is hitting hard and fast. Keep your bucket on for safety's sake. We'll be back very, very soon. Uh, But keep in mind, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.